Hello, I'm Kelly Crichton and this is The Reset Room. We're here to give you the tools you need to succeed and to answer your questions on your journey to fulfillment. In this series, we're covering lots of interesting and relevant topics like burnout and how to avoid it, dealing with anxiety, imposter syndrome and much, much more. You'll find them wherever you get your podcasts. This week, we're talking all about valuing time. We all put plenty of value on tangible things like cars or clothes or holidays, even experiences. But how should we be looking at time and how we spend it? This week, I am joined by Kay Woodburn of Gritty People, a people development consultancy specialising in behavioural change in all aspects of life from global business to elite sport. Kay founded the company from a passion and deep curiosity around human behaviour and how an individual's beliefs, focus and interactions can influence successful and sometimes not so successful outcomes. Hi Kay, great to see you again. How are you doing? I'm really good, thanks Kelly. How are you? I'm very well. Yes, so we're talking about valuing time this week. I feel like none of us have enough time (laughs) at the moment, but people can choose to do what they will with their time. And obviously this will have a consequence. So for example, maybe you spend more time working so you can earn more money or you can retire early. You can spend time building relationships so you have a closer circle of connections. But in the first instance, we need to understand what our time is worth. How do we do that? Oh, that's a big question. I think <laughs> time's subjective, isn't it? Um, mm. It's like you said, like it's such a subjective thing because depending on who you are, what your beliefs are, what your values are, the value of time is going to mean very different things to different people. And to some people and at some stage in their life, it is about pounds and pennies and pence and how can I optimise each hour of my day to make the most money. And for others, it's those connective relationships that they are prioritising. So I think the value of time is very subjective to the individual and it's quite unique. And I think the thing that will be interesting for us to explore as we go through this conversation is how do you make that unique value of time work for you in terms of what it means to you because there isn't a perfect way of spending your time it's just Mm -hmm. a a perfect way for you once it's gone it's gone forever so doom scrolling or lying about on the couch might not be seen as a good use of time how do we look at the bigger picture and how we spend our time I like to think of time as money so if you think of the bigger picture right if we were thinking about money yeah. I'm going to assume that most of us will say, right, what's my annual salary and how much do I get paid a month? And we, we look at money in a bigger picture. And from that bigger picture, yeah. we might then say, okay, so what house can I afford? What car can I afford? What, mm. Where do I do my food shopping? We create a budget, don't we? Um, yeah. We, all, we do. I mean, to some level, some people more detailed than others, but we always, we always have a conscious awareness of mm-hmm. how much money we have. And therefore, we then allocate that money to certain bills and we'll prioritise it. And, you know, most people I ask this question to, how do you prioritise your money? We'll start with, you know, things like mortgage or rent, council tax, yeah. utility bills. And then eventually you get down to Netflix. It depends on the age yeah. range, actually. When I talk to like younger people and say, which priority bills? Netflix is at the top. <laughs> <laughs> and the phone. <laughs> there is no more or anything else but you know again that just goes back to what I said at the beginning about the value of time is different for everybody of course in the same way that money is but if you think about it you know if yes you're right it is gone forever and there is no overdraft with time there is no extra extra time available we've got 24 hours in every day so I think if we were to think about time about in the same way 
roughly is how we think about money as you know look we've got 24 credits every single day imagine that the 24 pounds that you had how would you spend it mm. Mm. that's a good way to look at it yeah like you have to allocate it out yeah yeah and this conscious awareness of how we would spend it so yeah so for me there is a much bigger picture for us to explore which is yeah, the difference between time and money. If you were to take this twenty-four credits every day and say, "Look, how am I? How am I prioritizing that? What are the things that are my non-negotiables? The things that are really important to me to make sure I allocate those credits to every day? Mm. What are the things in the middle that I kind of think I want to spend them on? And what are the desirables, like the nice stuff mm. uh, at the end of end of the day?" And I think most people, you know, when you talk about to them about you know what's your where are your values what's most important to you they will say things like you know family time yeah. with friends collective relationships but then when you do the exercise with them which is well where are you spending the money mm-hmm. or in this case the credits they would say not in those places so I think it's yeah the starting point is is having a very conscious big picture view of where your credits are going and that isn't all of it Kelly you know there's more work to do after that but for me that is the first starting point yeah. is that you know get your spreadsheet out work out where this time is going before you can have that conscious awareness of what you do next and what you want to prioritize Mm. so sometimes we can get caught up in whatever is thrown our way you know so we you know we just maybe don't plan so how can we use planning better yeah so it's a really great question in fact so I've been talking a lot at the moment I've been doing a lot of writing as well around the difference between friction and flow so okay if you think about it yeah and I'll give you an example which I'm sure everybody will be able to relate to I think most people have the Amazon app Amazon mm. in terms of you know again using that process of money you know they are really good at removing friction so they take mm. away every and lots of apps do nowadays you know they're like lots of buying processes are the same I just think Amazon is one that most people will know especially yeah. use but you know there, there is no friction in this buying process so you click on the app you press pink toaster and before you know it you've pressed again twice and the money's come out your bank and this toaster's at your house there is no friction Mm -hmm. in that process Mm -hmm. because they make Mm -hmm. it really really easy so then if you again apply this thinking to time you know how can we do it differently like friction is everywhere you know, we have distraction after distraction after distraction. Mm. So there are too many unfocused tasks which take a lot of extra time than than they need to. Mm-hmm. So, that, you know, if I said to you, look, Kelly, I've got this magic pill and it's going to give you two hours extra every day. Mm-hmm. Most of us would <laughs> go, because we spend most of our time saying, oh, I just, there isn't enough hours in the day. I need more time in the day. We've got brilliant mm-hmm. magic pill, extra two hours every day. That's not going to solve the problem. No, we'd soon fill it up with stuff we shouldn't be doing again, wouldn't we? It's like increasing the credit (laughs) limit on the credit card. You know, it's not not solving the problem. We're still spending more time. Mm. And therefore, really, if we don't fundamentally change how we spend our time, then all we're going to do is waste more time. So we just feel, yeah, we're bad, more bad time management, more poor decision making, um, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So... Yeah, so I think for me, when we think about this stuff, it's about how do we eliminate friction so we can drop into flow when we are working. So flow being this state, this optimal state of consciousness where you feel able to perform at your best, your sense of self vanishes, time kind of distorts when you're in flow. 
Yes. And it means that all aspects of your performance, whether it's mental, physical, etc., are at their absolute peak. Yes. And so, and there's been like so many studies done on this that when we're working or performing in a flow light state, mm-hmm. the like the, the the ability to learn new skills, get things done, is increased by four hundred thirty percent. Wow. Right. So put that into context, Kelly. Right. That's like doing a full time working week in a day. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? Phenomenal. And it's because flow light states have no friction. We've removed all distraction, etc. Mm-hmm. So you just, you know, you just have to watch a child play it and they are in a mm. flow state. Do you know what I mean? The child's like fully engaged in Lego or yeah. whatever it is they're doing. And time passes and it's like they've got no awareness of time passing because they're so engaged in this thing they're doing. Yeah. And we've all experienced it, I'm sure, even if you don't realize we have for even for short periods of time when maybe you're writing a document at work and Mm-hmm. People are coming in and out of the office, and you didn't even know they were there. Yeah, you know that you're in, that means you're in a flow light state. So this optimal state, rather than saying, mm-hmm. okay, so let's have a magic pill and have more time. Yeah, if we can say, look, where am I? Where where am I spending my credits at a really high level in terms of homework and health? Let's say, let's put them in three different buckets. How many credits have I got in each one? Does that look the way yeah. I want it to look right now? And if the answer is no, you want to say, okay, how do I want it to look instead? So what's the desired state? Yeah. So that's the first step. Then the second step mm-hmm. is. How do I achieve what I want to achieve? So, for example, let's say you're spending two hours a day at work more than you want to. Mm. Okay, the answer isn't going part-time. The answer is getting to flow more often and remove friction. Because the more you do that, the more effective you will be and the more time you will have to allocate to, let's say, the extra two hours that you want to put in the home bucket, if that's, you know, where that goes, if that makes sense. So you need to be very clear Mm -hmm. first, I think, on what's important to you, where you want to spend those credits. And then that will give you the motivation and drive to reduce friction, to want to put things in place so that you can be more productive and efficient in the time that you are doing those other activities. Okay. Yeah, it's amazing when you start to think about the minutiae of these things a bit more that you're like, actually, that makes a lot of sense, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. But we all have commitments where the decision is made for us as to how we spend our time, whether that's like taking the kids swimming or volunteering. How can we spend our time wisely? Which is maybe more about, you know, the context of the time or the amount of time. Yeah. So for me, the first thing is it is still a decision. So not I would challenge the idea of the decisions being taken away from us because I would, Mm. I would, would, and the challenge with that is that if they are decisions, um, we don't, if we own them as decisions, it already feels better rather than we don't have a choice. So if we feel like we don't have a choice, it feels a little bit restricting. Yeah. If I'm going to take my children to swim in, I'm going to assume or make an assumption that, that I also see value in doing that to yes. keep them safe, make sure mm-hmm. they can swim, they can enjoy activities with their friends, all that kind of stuff. So somewhere at a subconscious level, I have made a decision that that is high value and there's some good yes. use of time. It's a good use mm-hmm. of my time, if that makes sense. So I, I think that's a simple switch that people can do with all things really is, do I have to do it? Am I choosing mm-hmm. to do it? Is it time that I've been told I have to do? And if I've said yes, why mm-hmm. did I say yes? So again, there's a friction thing in there. You know, another example of this, Kelly, actually would be meetings. So, you know, for people who who are looking at this from a working day yeah. point of view, 
it still with the people that I work with still is phenomenal how many people I will say to you know so what's the agenda of the meeting why are you there yes. what value are there to add and they say oh, well I don't know there's a gender there was some white space in my diary and I just pressed Ugh. accept because there was white space yeah. it's like right, oh okay. god I think everybody's experienced that like meetings for meetings sake you're like what is this all about they they are the worst use of time aren't and, they yeah and it feels awful because you you spend an hour let's say and some people spend eight hours a day doing Ugh. this and and they and they come to the, end of the day and don't feel like they've achieved anything no. they don't not feel like they've contributed they don't feel like they've added value yeah. and of course then that gets into this cycle of what's the point mm. and that can be remedied to some degree by saying yeah happy to come to the meeting could you just let me know the agenda which part do you need me in for etc yeah. so just taking a little bit more accountability of those decisions and choices really can is, is the first thing I would say. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that's one of those things that kind of comes with experience as well. Like I would have remembered back earlier in my career where you just kind of went along with everything, you know, and then as the years mm. go by, you're like, no, no, do we do we really need to have this meeting? You know, <laughs> you begin to question things and say, look, you know, is this a priority? Is it necessary? You know, would our time not be better spent somewhere else? And I think that is definitely something that comes with experience as well, isn't it? I completely agree. And I think if anyone's listening to this podcast that doesn't feel they've got those years of experience, try and fast forward it from taking it from advice from like yourself, Kelly and me. Like I, I too learned that way mm-hmm. by going, not doing it and then going, actually, there's a better way. And the, mm-hmm. the rewards that are reached for that are phenomenal. And you may think, oh, you know, people might think I'm being lazy or that I should be in the meeting. I promise you, people will respect you more for it. Totally, yeah. Honestly, that was always my biggest learning when I made that shift uh, years ago when I was working corporately. It was phenomenal. People really respected my time more and actually Mm -hmm. made them question what they were doing with their time more. So is this Mm -hmm. like ping pong effect between the two people? So, yeah, yeah, I think think it's a a really important one to take on at work. And going back to what you said about things like swimming with children and, you know, Mm -hmm. there are activities. I've got children myself. They're older now, but I still, you know, the young youngest is 16 he doesn't drive yet so I still take him places so that's what you could become a little bit sometimes a bit of a taxi so for people that are like just like driving somewhere and then waiting an hour yeah. maybe you can't watch them swim or or whatever the activity is yeah be planned just be like right okay so I've got an hour I can do my online shopping or mm-hmm. I'm going to take this hour for self-care I'm going to take a book with me or I'm going to use that hour to make calls so again you can pre-think about Yes, I'm, I'm choosing to send them swimming because it's important to me that they have mm-hmm. that ability to swim, for example. Mm-hmm. But I'm also going to utilise my own time effectively while I'm there. So you can double up on the effectiveness of the hour. So we can't have everything. We can't do everything. How do we manage the trade-offs? So when you say trade-offs, do you mean the things that don't get done? Yeah, essentially. So if you're going to go and bring your kids to the pool, maybe you're not going to go and get your yoga class. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's a really good question. Again, it's value t- how much we're valuing time. For me, it's mm. um, which one's more important. Mm. Again, though, um, that said, and again, this is advice I would I would, I would give to everyone: is look, do they need? Are they going swimming once a week? Um, or are they going two or three times a week and actually they could go twice a week and you go to yoga once a week you know yeah, is there some yeah. sort of a negotiation because you know I, I think sometimes especially with this particular example we prioritize the children more but actually yes. over the long term 
it's detrimental to the whole family if that person isn't getting to do those things. So you'll have more energy if you do yoga class. So, you know, mm-hmm. you'll be happier when you go to swimming class, you know. So it, I think the trade-offs are, one, a decision and mm-hmm. owning the decision, but also being flexible on that decision. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, does that make sense? So, like, you Absolutely, know, you yeah. Have, yeah, doing stuff for other people all the time isn't always the right thing to do. Sometimes yeah. it is a, the trade-off is not actually your trade-off. It, it's one for yeah. them as well to so, say, well, yeah. actually, we're not going to do football, rugby and swimming. We're going to do football yeah. and rugby and I'm going to do yoga. <laughs> yeah. So like I would have a friend who like that, oh my God, she will always put other people before her. She'll always put work before her, you know. And I guess it's that maybe having to step back and look at it and go, right, maybe I need to prioritise myself here because it's going to not work out in the long term if I don't, just a little bit. Um, and that's something we've, we're talking about a lot in another podcast in this series where we talk about burnout and sort of mm-hmm. making time for yourself. And I think, yeah, it's just that idea that you've got to strike a balance, don't you, between others' needs and your own needs. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, your relationship with yourself is as important with your relationship with others, and actually, in many ways, it'll improve it quite significantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, this kind of leads on from that. We we can be our own worst enemy when it comes to times like saying yes to everything or sort of being on call for people twenty four seven, letting people abuse your time, like turning up late or for a meeting or whatever, or dragging on a meeting longer than it needs to be. How do we address these external pressures that are draining on our time? That happens a lot, I think, not only in workplaces, but through personality preferences, because some people yeah. like don't like to say no. So, you know, there's a lot of self-development stuff around learning to say no and setting boundaries. Mm. I um, I always think of this as um, like getting air. So do you know when um, the aerostess says on the aeroplane, place your mask on before placing yes and the children yeah yeah and the children and elderly and it leads on from what we were just talking about Mm. really I think it's having the courage to actually do that to actually put Mm. your mask on first so Mm -hmm. you know for different again there isn't one answer for everyone so I think if we look at it as a as more of a as a structure if you will which is Mm -hmm. firstly agree what is okay with you and what's not okay with you and Mm -hmm. and I genuinely different people will have different boundaries and I don't think Mm. there is a set boundary that I can say I have this boundary because again everyone values time in different ways so think about what's important and what is important is what is important to you so agree Mm -hmm. what is okay and what's not okay and Mm -hmm. somebody said something to me years ago and it's um, a sentence that I use a lot now and I share with my coaching clients which is we agree it with ourselves we say what is okay with me and then we impose it so then we say that is not okay with me so what I mean Mm -hmm. by that is if you were late for a meeting and it was once, I might go, okay, I can understand that. If it happened two yeah. or three times, I would then have that conversation with that person and say, this isn't working for me. This isn't going to work mm-hmm. for me. So mm-hmm. actually taking the time to address it. So not only agree your boundary, whatever that is, but impose it for yourself and impose it with other people. Mm-hmm. And it's quite a powerful statement. That's not okay with me. So what it's saying, it's not saying yeah. you did this wrong. You shouldn't be that way. What it's saying is mm-hmm. this isn't working for me. 
right now mm-hmm. and and that is a nice way into a conversation with people that might abuse your time or or uh, what you might perceive as disrespectful towards your time and that leads to the last bit which is respect so you, if yep. you're going to ask other people to respect your boundary your time then you have mm-hmm. to respect it yourself so you kind of can't let them away with it. Like if people are, if you say, you know, we're meeting at 10, for example, and they consistently are late and you consistently say, oh, fine, don't worry about it. But in the back of your head, you're thinking, God, I could have put an extra washing or yeah. I could have got the school <laughs> dinners made in that time. And, mm-hmm. and you become resentful. Yeah. So you, it's important. So yeah, the three things are agree the boundary with you, what works with you. The second thing mm-hmm. is impose it, what is okay with you and, and be clear on if it's not okay with you and then respect your own boundary. So yeah, get some air yourself um, and impose that with other people. I think that that point is so important where people mightn't even know that you're not happy with them. Like if you mm. let them behave a certain way, they why would they change their behavior? You know, and all it takes is maybe a conversation to say, listen, you know, it's actually quite important that we start on time. If you wouldn't mind, can you try and make it on time in the future? They would probably be mortified and be like, oh, my God, of course. Yes, yeah, sorry. You know, and you just have to like draw it to their attention. It might be like an awkward moment. But yeah, I think it's definitely worth making people aware of these things because some people are just oblivious, aren't they? And they're just in habits. But there's nothing malicious or negative intent there, you know. I can't honestly recall personally and as a coach when I've coached people through situations like this a time where someone's gone oh well no I'm not going to respect your time every single time Mm. they've said oh I'm so sorry I didn't realize or they've said thanks for letting me know I didn't realize I'd had that impact like I've I've never experienced a time where someone said (laughs) oh well no I'm going to carry on being late to really annoy Mm. you because that's why we do that you're absolutely right Kelly it's just People tend to have really positive intentions. They just maybe don't mm-hmm. value that in the same way that you do. And how do they you know do. if we don't yeah. make it to their awareness? Yeah, there's a bit um, of disconnect there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think one other thing to say is when we talk about time and efficiencies and how do we get this extra two hours, for example, back and be, be effective, is what I was saying before about friction and flow. So, you know, just really thinking about the fact that, you know, our brains are organs, they're not machines. So they get mm. tired. And when they get tired, our cognitive performance reduces, our productivity reduces. And then we can be a bit more sluggish with our time. So that drops us out of being in flow because we're, you know, we, we maybe start messing with our phones or we get ourselves distracted. Um, so a really, a really good thing to do around all of this is installing decision making, which is all mm. about, it's basically like having one decision that you use multiple times rather than making multiple decisions, because what okay. it will do is it, in fact, it makes your time more effective. An example mm-hmm. of that would be, in fact, a really good example of that that's just popped into my mind is Steve Jobs. Like if you look at Steve Jobs over about 15 years, he, wears the, mm. he, he would wear the same clothes every day. Like if, yeah. like, and the idea behind that is he doesn't have to think. Make we the make, decision. Yeah, yeah we, make, we make about 35,000 decisions every day. Wow. Which is phenomenal. Yeah, so, that is amazing. Yeah. It's a phenomenal amount. I think it is. So as much as you can like predetermine decisions, your brain has got more cognitive capacity to do other things and to yes. be more effective. So if I said, right, I get up at six o'clock every day regardless. Um, I have 
I don't know, cereal for breakfast every day. Uh, and I always wear jeans on the weekdays. I don't know, mm-hmm. like random things. That, as random as they may seem, the reason they make us more effective and make our time more effective is because we, we're not draining our energy through having to go, ooh, shall I have Weetabix? Shall I have toast? Shall I have yeah. eggs today? <laughs> yeah. It's like, look, yeah. shall I get up at six? Shall I get up at seven? Shall I wear pink? Shall I wear blue? You, even though we just think we're doing it, it's taking energy. And um, yeah. It, so, so yeah, so anything in your diary, in your schedule, in your routine where you can pre-install decision-making, again, will yeah. make your time more effective. And honestly, like, you would be really surprised at how much of that two-hour example I were given before reduces yeah. just, by, just by doing that simple um, change to your daily habits yeah planning is key I think isn't it yeah yeah I bet I bet everyone is kind of reconsidering their time now following that conversation you know and thinking well I never really thought about my time in that sort of quantity quantitative you know measurement but also with the the aspect of what am I spending my time on you know what is the quality element of it so um yeah that's great it's really really insightful Kay so we're moving on to the second part of the podcast and we've had an email from Sarah in Sunderland and she says I have three children of varying ages with one in nursery and two in school I work four days a week it's been this way for quite a long time but I cannot seem to get on top of my home life and work life I always feel like I should be somewhere else doing something else no matter what I'm doing. I find it difficult to concentrate and worry that I'm going to actually burn out at the rate I'm going. My husband helps out quite a lot, but I still do the lion's share of the housework and family admin. I do manage to get out for a run a few times a week on my lunch break, but even then I only have 20 minutes. I keep telling myself it will get easier the older the kids get, but I am exhausted. Please help. Oh God, poor Sarah. Right, what do you think of that, Kay? I think Sarah needs a lie down. <laughs> so, I think she deserves a lie down. <laughs> Poor so, Sarah. Sarah, I, I'm exhausted just listening to all those mm. things you've got to do every day. Absolutely. I think there's a lot there. And uh, so, yeah, be kind to yourself in the fact that, yes, that is a lot of things to do. And I'd extend that by saying, what does time mean to you financially? And where is the where is the value for you? So, so you're both working, you're both really busy and there isn't very much time, but the time can be an investment as well, can't it? So I think there's a lot to be said for outsourcing. Yeah. And this is something I did personally when my I've got two children and when they were younger and I had an incredibly busy working life, etc. And the exercise here is to sit down and say, okay, so how long do I spend doing the ironing and the cleaning, for example? Yeah. Yeah. How much does that cost to outsource? So, mm-hmm. and I don't know if financially that's viable for you, Sarah, but I, I would certainly ask you to sit down and see if it is, you know, if you could mm-hmm. outsource it. I mean, this is not a privileged thing, right, to have somebody. This is outsourcing. This is like you're running a business, you know I mean? You've got yeah. a lot going on in your world right now. And if I was saying this to a business owner and said, what can you outsource? Could you get a VA? Yeah. Could you get someone to do spreadsheets? Could you get somebody to book your accommodation? Like, it would yeah. be seen as absolutely acceptable, exactly what we do. So please take yeah. it in that way. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're earning X amount per hour and the hour at work is equivalent to or maybe more than it would cost to get someone to maybe do the garden or like I said do the ironing and things like that I would mm-hmm. ask you to question is the value in doing a little bit of outsourcing is it, would yeah. 
the first thing um, mm-hmm. I would say. And because if what you're not then being able to do is spend time with your friends, family, your children. Uh, what I hear yeah. from a lot of parents of young children is this is followed up by guilt because then they go like, I've got three young children and I never get to see them because I'm always busy and I'm at work yeah. or I'm at home. Is is actually, you know, longer term with that investment yeah. make you feel good yeah. about, about that. And it could just be two or three hours like a week that yeah. you get back, but it makes a massive difference. Yeah. So Absolutely. yeah, I think I think I would look at that, like if, if that's a possibility for you to do. Mm-hmm. Also the fact that you talk about the lion's share, you know, maybe there's a relationship conversation there as well. I don't know whether one of you works longer hours and somebody else works less hours. One of the things that I think is very helpful is to sit down with a list of jobs across the house and say, look, what would you, would you like doing? Right. And, and it, some people might say, well, I don't like doing any housework, but there might be things that can't <laughs> be outsourced. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, I mean, Honestly, like this, this comes up in my coaching sessions a lot. And we have conversations about like, oh, my husband won't do the bathrooms or I don't like doing the ironing. It's like, okay, does he like ironing? Yeah. Do you mind doing yeah. the bathroom? No. Right. We'll yeah. swap jobs. Because <laughs> yeah. neither of you. So simple, you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like neither of you are going to go, I hate doing this. And, and, and it, that's emotionally draining. So again, for Sarah and for anyone else, of course, listening, I think it's, it might seem like a you know a strange task, but it comes back to like planning again. Like what are all yeah. the jobs that need to be done in the house? What do I, what can I drop? This is a good way mm-hmm. to look at it actually. What can I drop? What, look, it doesn't matter if that never gets done and it just doesn't matter. You know, these they might be clearing out the cupboards and actually it can be done once every six months or something. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a job that can come up later on. So what can I drop? What mm-hmm. can I delay? So what things mm-hmm. am I doing, but actually don't need to be done right now? Mm-hmm. What can I delegate? So um, that is what can I outsource? What makes good financial sense, value of time sense? And then what's left goes on that what do we need to do list? Okay. So that for me is firstly a conversation with your husband. But I don't know how old Sarah's children are, but another thing I would suggest, final thing on this is I don't know how old they are, obviously, but look, you are not responsible for everything in that house. And yeah. you know, I sometimes hear particularly mothers I'm sure fathers do it too but could you do the dishwasher for me yeah drop the for me Mm -hmm. could you do the dishwasher thank you because you're not you're not responsible for everything in the house, yes, right? You're a team. Yes, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I and, and I think subconsciously, again, like language would assume, like, oh, we look after the kids for me, or can you do the dishwasher for me, or would you mind running to the shops for me? So I don't know if Sarah does that or if anyone listening does that, but my big piece of advice here is drop the for me and just say, could you do that? Because it needs doing. Or, mm-hmm. So, and with the children, just do a little reward chart. They love it. Like, you yeah. know, make, make Xbox time a reward or you know a pound a pound to go and get a magazine but they have to do like a little bit of polishing so they will love that too so all of a sudden you've taken this weight of one into five people and spread them yeah and you're teaching them about responsibility and work ethic as well aren't you so that's a positive yeah so hopefully Sarah you might get some good advice there and like Kay says if you can't afford to get some help at least maybe planning things out a bit and having a discussion with people in the house about what needs to be prioritised and who enjoys doing which tasks and the opposite, it would probably lead to, you know, a slightly better system as well. So best of luck with those changes. We've had one more email on this topic, Kay. Dominique in Slough writes, I work as a restaurant manager and I have done for the past five years. It's a nice job and my boss is nice. So I've no complaints, but 
about working there. However, I feel empty inside. I feel like my life has no direction. I'm either at work or lying on the couch. The only time I felt excited in the past few years was when I volunteered with a local care centre to help raise funds. It felt like my time was making a difference. I did think about doing something in social care before I left school, but I needed to get a job and things have just kind of stayed the same. What should I do? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question. I think this is a big question for everybody, actually. Mm. <laughs> Again, after the pandemic and rediscovering what they, you know, what how important time is and how it's a commodity mm-hmm. for us, etc. So the thing that jumps out at me here is purpose. And what's screaming out at me in uh, Dominique's words here is that fire inside just has gone out and we yeah. need to find a way to put it back on and and it sounds mm-hmm. like you know charity work or helping raise funds is something that that's important to her so so i think you know the questions around this are really all about purpose and and yeah. why you do what you do and rediscovering mm-hmm. that some good questions to ask yourself is what brings you alive Mm. Um, uh, another nice question is you know what did you love to do when you were eight like who was eight-year-old you like what did what did what did the child in you love to do and you know so so really purpose-based questions and rediscovering your purpose now you might say but actually whatever we just my purpose and I want to you know go and work for charity and I can't do that because I need to earn money I'd ask you to stay away from that and that jumping too far down the line, which, you know, you could, you, there is a risk of doing, but just stay yeah. with those questions for now and just say, right, okay, what, what, what brings me alive? What are my strengths? What are my innate strengths? What are the things that people tell me I'm really good at, even if I don't see them in myself? Mm. And like I said, questions about what would like eight-year-old me love to do? Like what were the things that brought me alive when I was younger? What did I love to do then? And then, you know, just, one of the activities I get a lot of my coaching clients to do is to then take those questions and do something called fast right. Now, okay. fast right is a really cool technique, and it, it's a technique that it drops us into flow, which is something we've already talked about today. Mm-hmm. Um, so you basically just uh, you can either do it in silence, put some earphones in, and set a timer for twelve minutes. And you just write about all the things, all those questions that I've just said and all the things that are important to you and the things that you just love to do and how you want to be remembered. And, you know, just write as though no one's ever going to read it and just write with courage and don't edit it. Just let your pen flow for 12 minutes. Um, Now, when I say out loud, you might think, oh, I don't know about that, but I promise you, and I've been doing this for over 15 years with clients and every time Mm -hmm. they go wow like that that it was interesting because this they start to write things that they never even realized about themselves because it's come from this deeper place because they've just gone into flow yeah and the reason I'm going to suggest that for Dominique is because I think she'll read back over it and whilst the job that maybe she's meant to be doing or the joy in the job that she is doing will start to kind of pop out if you will the words will be she'll say things that are consistent or some certain words will keep being repeated Mm. I would say that's her first point of call is uh, take away where you work now and everything I'll just go like let's just come back to me and what is who am I and what is my purpose and Mm -hmm. and and once you can connect with that you can start to really believe in in what it is that your purpose is and it's really fascinating how then you know she might just start to become more aware of opportunities around her that she didn't see before uh, because Mm. she's more connected with herself and her own purpose. I think it's interesting because you know sometimes we don't realize 
I don't want to say that Dominique is in a in a rush. She seems quite happy in her job. But sometimes we can get ourselves into a situation where, you know, it's kind of status quo, blah, blah, blah. And it maybe affects our self-worth mm-hmm. a little bit and that our sort of ambition or our dreams or our plans or our desires or whatever just kind of simmer because everything is what it is and you just kind of float along. And it just maybe takes a little bit of like shaking up to refocus and I think this technique that you're talking about sounds brilliant and it could be exactly that thing so fast right I think we should all do it (laughs) yeah I mean the answer's in there it's just and this is a way of Mm. bringing it out um, for sure and the other thing actually that's interesting about this is the you know the volunteering Um, you know I know Mm. loads of people that are not overly satisfied in their role but they get their satisfaction and passion from voluntary work or a hobby or something like that so it might be that what comes out of the fast right is I'm going to keep doing my job, but I'm going to do a voluntary work more regularly, you know. So just yeah. do it with an open mind is, is absolutely the best thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dominique, hopefully some of that advice will help you make some decisions that mean you're happier in the long term. So thanks for t- taking the time to join us today, Kay. Thank you. It's lovely to speak to you again. And thanks for inviting me on. If you have a question around this or any other area of performance or personal development for that matter, you can drop us an email to kelly.crichton at jpimedia.co.uk and we'll endeavour to get you the advice you need. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Reset Room. You can follow us on Twitter at Reset underscore room, on Facebook at The Reset Room and on Instagram at Reset Room Podcast. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and tell all your friends about it if you're enjoying it. The Reset Room is a laudable production produced and hosted by me, Kelly Crichton. Our resident experts are Kay Woodburn of grittypeople.co.uk and Amina Walker, who you'll find on aminawalker.com. We'll be back again very soon. Please join us then.